Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. Hope things are getting better wherever you are. I know things across the country are a little different depending on where you're at, but, uh, you know, we all got to move forward at some point, and hopefully that will be taking place soon. I'd like to welcome our next guest. He is the lead singer, lead vocalist from the band Saul. I'd like to welcome in Blake Bedsaw. What's going on, Blake? How are you? Good, man. Good. I'm happy to be on here with you for sure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, I, I uh, appreciate you doing this. I know you guys got a new record coming out. Um, the new single, King of Misery, is out for all of you who want to go stream it or go on YouTube and play it. It's available. The new album is on October 23rd called Rise as Equals. And I'm excited to have you guys on. So I was able to check out a lot of the new album over the last week or so. It's incredible. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we really, we, we put, you know, our heart and souls into this record. Um, we wanted to write every song like it was going to be, but, you know, we went into it like every song is going to be the last song we're ever going to write. So we really tried to put an emphasis that um, every song's got everything we could put into it. So, uh I'm hoping people, you know, pick up on that when they get the record. We didn't want any filler songs or anything like that on just, you know, just put it on the record kind of feel. So um, every song is, uh, yeah, it's got it's got everything of us in it. We're going to get into the new album. We're going to get into the band and the history. But first, we always ask the same first question every time we have a new guest. And that is the essence of the podcast. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, an album, a song, or performance. What hooked you on rock and roll? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, that it, it's a tough question, too, because it's hard to pinpoint, you know. Definitely the first time, um, uh, probably the first time I heard Jeremy by Pearl Jam, that really kind of sucked me in. Um, you know, the first person that got me into music was Zach, um, only the guitar player. Um, so um, he's the one that, that drove me into wanting to do music. But, um, you know, and we used to listen to things like, uh, you know, Black Sabbath and Metallica. And and uh, that's a tough question, but I definitely I definitely think it'd be it'd be Pearl Jam was my my go to. But, you know, Zach's really the one that got me into music. What? Where did it go from there? You mentioned Pearl Jam. You mentioned Sabbath and Metallica. You obviously, you know, you got pulled into rock and roll. You know, there's the evolution of the artists that I always like to talk about with people who come on here. You know, what was the next stage for your development in your journey in rock and roll? You know, we really tried to take it to the next level on, um, you know, when we when we started getting into Tool um, is really when we started emphasizing, you know, um, back in the day, the time signatures, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so trying to throw some, something strange in there all the time, uh, you know, playing in fives and sevens and, you know, just odd time signatures. And, uh, that's really what drove us into, um, you know, trying to perfect our, our instrument is, is bands like Tool and, you know, Tesseract and, um, yeah, yeah, there's, it's a, it's a pretty long list, but I can't, I can't remember them all right now, but, uh, um, there's, yeah, a lot of bands we looked up to for sure. Like that, that technical side for a long time. What about singing? Who was, uh, you know, who was the person, the vocalist, or maybe the song or the band that made you want to sing? 
you know, you can't really go wrong with Maynard, uh, Maynard James Keenan from Tool. He really wanted me to get, you know, he, his voice and the way he sang really wanted, I wanted to get into vocals because of him. And, you know, screaming, I wanted to scream like Chad Gray from, you know, Hell Yeah, Mudvayne. And um, definitely I wanted to mix a blend of that kind of, that kind of vibe, you know what I mean? Just, you know, I, I got hints of like, we, we call it like the, the Jonathan Davis, right? I throw in a little bit of a David Draymond in there too, you know, and it's just phrases we use like, Hey, you got a Jonathan Davis set up a little bit on this part, or, you know what I mean? Get a little more David Draymond on this part, you know? So, you know, you know, guys like that really influenced me. And then when did you want to be in a band? What, you know, obviously Pearl Jam, Metallica, Sabbath, you mentioned Tool, a couple other bands too as well. You know, what was the moment where you said, you know, I want to get up on stage and do that, like Maynard's doing it or like Eddie Vedder's doing it? Um, You know, it's really when Zach approached me and um, said, hey, uh, we need a new bass player. Um, do, you want, do you want to play bass? And I said, yeah, I think I can do it better than that guy. So uh, that's really, and that was, that was early on, um, you know, because before that I was pretty much a jock, you know, I played football and, um, I wanted to do that. I was really big into powerlifting. And uh, after I bought that bass and I started playing in the band, I mean, it kind of, all my focus went to that because it was, you know, one, a lot of fun. And then you start dissecting songs and meanings and, you know, it just, it, it was really cool to be able to get into it like that. You know, especially, with, you know, with my brother, you know, where we had the, you know, similar taste in music, um, mine being a little bit better. Um, but you know, it was cool. You know, when you talk about, you know, being in a band, um, talk about some of the early stuff. What what was going on? I mean, was it always this type of music? Was there, you know, a different style before the band Saul was created? Oh, oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, we were in cover bands, you know, in high school, we were playing everything from, you know, Chili Peppers to Duality by Slipknot to, um, Oasis, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, better than Ezra, good, you know, stuff like that, you know, and, and so it, it really evolved, you know, um, when we started writing our own music, that's when it got a little more uh, on the heavier side, um, um, but I mean, that's hard to say, too, because we were covering, like, corns, you know, right now, and, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, it was definitely always more on the rock side, so, um Yeah we just got a little heavier as we, as we started writing our own. And when you, you know, started writing your own music, you know, what was, you know, your inspiration for what you were writing? You know, was it, you know, was there a certain song that you heard that said, Hey, I can do that. I think I can write a song like that. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, me, cause I started out as a bass player. I mean, I was really, I would say I was, I'm pretty, you know, influenced by, you know, I, I really like the, the, the Michael Jackson bass lines and, you know, I'm a big like Motown guy, like the Temptations, um, stuff like that. So, um, anytime if you're at my house, generally I have like, you know, a fifties or sixties playlist going of, of a Motown. Um, that's just my jam. That's what I like to just, you know, hang out to. Um, but you know, songs in general, I mean, when, when it came to wanting to write songs in a certain way, I would say, you know, Fieldy from Corn, the way he did it, you know, the way they band, that band wrote songs, that really kind of influenced us into wanting to do something like that, where, you know, I wanted to incorporate more bass and more slap bass and 
Um, so that's definitely a route that we went for sure. When you think about the the inspiration when you're writing music and you're you're trying to connect with something that may have happened, you know, sometimes people write about experiences, they write about something else, but when you're writing about your own personal experiences, what's that process like? I mean, how do you have to reconnect with something that you want to tell a story about or you want to tell people about? You know, that that is a tough thing to do on, you know, trying to express yourself in the right way, you know, and then incorporating it into a melody and a cadence. Um, but that's definitely something that, I mean, we really focus on writing songs from personal experiences. So that's something that we definitely, um, you know, work for because I don't, you know, I don't want to write songs just, you know, just to have songs. I want the song to have a personal meaning and I want to feel a connection to it. And that's definitely what we try to do. And all the songs on this new record and the songs that are on the EP are from personal experiences. And, you know, songs like brother and, you know, the toll is about, you know, being struggling musicians out on the road and, uh, you know, songs like don't close your eyes, you know, about a big fear of drowning. Um, you know, it's just hard to put it in the right words, but I think we definitely came up, you know, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. We start with music, and then we just start building that up from there. When you are writing, you're connecting with something, you know, like you said, the fear of drowning or whatever personal experience that you have. Is it important for the audience to connect with it like you did, or do you just leave it up to the listener to find their own connection? You know, generally, I I, I try to leave it open. I mean, if somebody asks me, I definitely tell them what it's about. I don't leave that open but um i really like the idea of everybody putting their own perspective into the song and using it for whatever they need it for you know interpreting how how they need to you know see it so um it's cool both ways i'll definitely tell a person what the song's about but definitely put your own spin and your own idea on on what the song's about for sure use it how you need it what's the history of saw how did you guys form how did you guys come together well, Zach and I, we've been playing together for, you know, being siblings, we've been playing together for a long time. Um, so that's really, that's where the drive came from. I think, you know, me being the standout musician in the family. <laughs> he's sitting right here, by the way. Um, uh, you know, we, we really kind of pushed each other and wanted to grow and be better, you know, together. So, you know, we, were get, we knew we were going to do this together. Um, that was the whole goal. And, um you know, and that was early. I mean, shoot, that we're talking high school um, that we really started diving in and, and 06, 07, yeah, that we really started playing together. And, you know, and in the early days, it was just the Saul boys or the Bed Saul brothers. And then it just became Saul and, and just stuck. And, uh, yeah, th- th- it was it was early on, but definitely it was it, it was uh, it was a factor of me and Zach just pushing each other to be better. And then where did the other guys come from? Uh, William, uh, you know, it was crazy. We met Will, what, four years ago? Five years ago? Um, and he, you know, it was just by, he came to one of our shows, and um, we, everybody gathered up and went back to our practice spot right there in Sioux City, and uh, uh, we were just hanging out, saw that he could play bass, and at the time I was thinking about stepping down from from the bass and just going to vocals and bring, bringing in a guy. Um, and after meeting him, um, we hated him. But, you know, we needed a bass player, so he got the job. <laughs> no, he's actually a great guy. He's the craziest guy in the band. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just it just fit well. And then Miles just came 
uh, it was weird. We we played with his band uh, last year, last early last year, uh, two years ago, eighteen. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was the end of twenty eighteen. Yep. And so we played with his band at the end of twenty eighteen, and then when Joe stepped down last year um, for personal reasons, wanting to start his family and you know have have kids and all that, uh, uh, it was great. We just met Miles through that and found out he's an awesome dude and a great asset to the band, and it was just easy peasy that he just wanted to be part of it how do you guys put together all your influences because i imagine you know no one person is the same so everybody kind of has their own stuff that hooked them on rock and roll and influenced them to play the drums play the guitar the bass whatever it is how do you guys fuse all that together you know i think the best way to do it is if i if everybody you know having their influences you know and just I think, you know, just having the, the ability and the, and the talent to play the instrument well, um, I think when everybody comes in and has the mindset of just write for the song and not your influence or, you know, your ego or anything, um, I think that's why we work so well together is everybody's just there for the song, you know, for the moment, and then on to the next song and the next moment, not really trying to incorporate your influences heavily, just make it work for, you know, the song that's at hand. The new album is out October 23rd. It's called Rises Equals. What was the recording process for this album? How did it differ from stuff before? Uh, you know, you know, well, we since last year when we got we got picked up, I mean, we started working with uh, Chris Dawson at Aphotic Studios. Um, he's our manager, our engineer, and producer. Um, after we started working with, with him, it really was kind of a game changer on on it because it was always just, you know, the band going in, we'd rehearse and then we would, you know, we'd head to the studio and just record it as is. And so working with Dawson and this new record, we, we wrote most of it in the studio sitting there with him. Um, so that's really where it changed. And, you know, and the writing process changed as well, you know, during quarantine when we had to do writing sessions with, you know, like David Draymond of, of Disturbed and um, we had to do those over Zoom meetings and, you know, this whole year in general has just been kind of odd and a learning experience, you know, but I think it has been for all musicians. When you guys, you know, go in and record and you're writing music, is it a collaborative effort or is, is there other main songwriters? What's that like? You know, yeah, there's definitely main songwriters, Zach and I, but we don't believe any idea is a bad idea. And, you know, it's a full band effort. So if somebody throws out an idea or, you know, has a riff or, you know, whatever, I mean, it's definitely, and it's good and everybody likes it. It's going to be used. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, I'd say most of it is, you know, Zach and I just hammering stuff out, you know, with, with Chris or whoever, you know, we might be writing with at the time, but definitely, I mean, the guys have a heavy influence on, uh, whatever the, the music may come because, you know, like I said, there's no bad ideas. What are the plans to promote this album? I mean, I know we're, we're under a, a different time, a different type of normal than we normally are. And usually, you know, when a band releases an album, there's a tour to be had, there's places to go, there's promotion. What's in store for the band Saul and what needs to happen once this record comes out? You know, I know, you know, everybody at the label is, is working 100% on trying to, you know, 
we're, we're living in a, a social media based world right now, especially because we can't get out and tour and support the record. Um, so there's a huge push, you know, with YouTube and, and Spotify and, and landing on playlists and, and doing that whole, you know, that whole thing. Um, yeah, the PR team is really cranking hard trying to get get stuff out there. Um, so that's where the main focus is, and we're just hoping in 21 we can get back out there and, and do the festivals and, and touring and and uh, really support the album the way it needs to be. You know, with you know feet on the ground. Is this an album that was recorded during the pandemic, or was this something you guys sat on for a while because you know there was nothing to do with it? We, you know, we sat on it for a little bit, but most of it was. Um, recorded during the pandemic. I mean, right right off the bat, um, uh, after we released the EP Eons, um, it was a couple months later. The you know signing with Spine Farm, the label wanted us to get back into the studio. Um, so we really the early part of uh, of 2019 we spent in the studio and then finishing it up uh, in in the during the pandemic. That that was a tough part trying to make all the cogs fit and being able to travel and you know get down to the studio it's about you know seven hours one way so um yeah it, it was that that was difficult you know the whole writing and recording process during that whole time was was odd yeah i can imagine i mean you know was it difficult to write and you know produce music and be an artist when you're doing the same thing every day when you're limited to what you can do yeah you know that's a good question because you know, the inspiration level, um, I get inspired a lot by just normal conversations. So running into somebody, you know, at the gas station or, 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 or anything, you know, so, um, not having that to, um, having, not having that inspiration was difficult, but, you know, we had a lot of stuff on our mind as well. So we definitely knew, uh, some things that we wanted to write about, um, so that that helped. We definitely had a focus on on a, a game plan on the song. I mean, it, you know, because I've talked to some artists who had difficulty being inspired because you know they're looking out the same window every day, they're seeing the same thing, they're doing the same thing. You know, other artists were fine; they were able to create and be able to, you know, find their groove and and create and write music. What where did you fall under? I mean, was it was it a you know did you have to pull it out of yourself or was it was it coming out like it naturally does? You know, yeah, it definitely, it, it wasn't, you know, probably, I would say it probably wasn't as flowing, but, um, you know, with the ideas we already had in, in store and in mind that we were going to write about, it definitely, it, it wasn't that difficult, really. Um, yeah. Hey, sorry, this is Zach. Um, I remember we were working on King of Misery with David Draymond and uh, we were, what, two two songs in, like two concepts, and we were just kind of, seemed like we were beating a dead horse with it. We weren't feeling it that much. David Draymond wasn't feeling it that much. And then get really frustrated with it. We were about a month, month and a half in doing Zoom sessions, which isn't ideal either. And then uh, Blake came up to me one day when I got here and he just, I have, I have an idea for a chorus. And it was like the "Don't mind me while well, I circle this drain," and I'm like, "Oh, there it is." So then that's where the, the the chorus of King of Misery came. I sat down, got a chord progression, we hashed out the chorus, and uh, the next Zoom session we threw it over to David Draymond, and that's kind of it was like magic. It was kind of crazy how it came 
to be. You know, when you think about the recording process and how different it had to be, was that something that was easy to overcome for you guys, or was it just, hey, you know, let's just get it together and, and, and see what comes of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, since we do we do travel to, to Chris Dawson's studio, um, I'm glad one thing, because we went down there to get all of this done. So um, once we got through the writing process over Zoom and, and doing all this stuff, um, we didn't have to send files back and forth, which I knew a lot of bands were doing at the time. Um, he said, just come down here and let's hit the studio and let's get it done. Um, I'm not a big fan of just sending files back and forth. I like to see a person face to face, especially when you're creating something that you want, you know, to be part of your legacy, really. So, um, so it was definitely cool. He just, you know, get down here, let's get to work. What is the plan? I mean, do you guys, well, I should say, ask, ask you this. What is the plan for Saul once things open up? I mean, I, I had a representative from Neva, the Save Our Stages organization, on a few weeks ago. And they talked about how unless some aid package is not approved by, the, by Congress, a lot of these small clubs may fold up and may not be around for small bands, mid-level bands to play at the clubs, to play at the theaters across the country. Have you guys thought about that? Is there a game plan for Salt in order to kind of weave your way through and journey through this country? You know, we did, we signed a petition, you know, um, to, for some relief for these venues um, that we definitely are, you know, we want to be and stand behind. Um as far as the game plan, we're just hoping, you know, in 21, after, you know, talking to the booking agency and everything, they're hoping it just cracks open and everybody's just ready to go and everybody's just, you know, bands are going to be hungry, fans are going to be hungry. Um, I just hope, you know, there's a spot in there where we can climb our way through and, and, and get a spot because I'm sure the holds and everything on these venues is going to be crazy. Everybody wanting to get back to work and get back to the stage. Um, we definitely have plans if everything opens back up for tours next year that we're in the talks of and uh, hopefully, hopefully everything just comes back to get, uh, together and gets back to normal. As a band though, are you nervous being in a club or a theater in, you know, with what's been going on? Absolutely not. I'm not, I don't fear it one bit. Um, I think it's, uh, I don't want to go into it. As far as the rock scene goes and as far as, you know, new music, new rock, I feel that whether it's heavy metal, whether it's hard rock, whether it's just rock and roll, I think even though it's struggling for relevancy right now, I think it's about to push through. It reminds me of the time of like the early 80s when the late 70s had disco and the singer-songwriters like your Kenny Loggins and your Christopher Cross, and then all of a sudden... You know, there was Van Halen and there was the rejuvenation of Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. There was all these great metal bands and, and rock bands in the early 80s. And I kind of feel like it's like that now where rock and roll will never die. It's not dead. But in terms of relevancy, we see it, you know, we see the rock awards not public, you know, not televised on TV for the Grammys. We, we see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame telling us artists from other genres are rock and roll because of their attitude. We see the Super right. Bowl halftime, you know, show not even include any rock and roll. We see commercials with no rock and roll. So it's if there is a low point, I think it's right now, and you can only go up from there, right? And I asked, I actually thought 2020 was going to be 
a year of perseverance for rock and roll was the year that it came back and obviously it had to be paused. What are your thoughts on the current state of rock and roll? You know, honestly, I think rock and roll is in a huge climb right now. I think, I think people are ready to get back to rock and roll and, um, it's definitely, I'm, I'm happy to be part of that, that, that train to move rock and roll forward. And, you know, it's the metal and rock and, um, I definitely think it's on the on the climb for sure. What do you think about you know how Saul has positioned themselves? I mean, you've got this new great album coming out. You've got the PR firm working for you. You got management. You're talking about you know doing the tours when it comes back. Being in the position that you're at, you know, and and seeing what the landscape is right now. What you know? What do you feel it's going to take for rock and roll to punch through? For heavy metal to punch through once again? I think it's everybody just coming together and, and, and the band's just getting back out on the road. Um, because I, I agree with you on your last last statement where, you know, I thought 2020 was going to be the, the rise of rock and roll as well. Um, you know, but I guess we'll just have to push to 21. Um, you know, we have fans coming out a lot, a lot, and, and, and just wanting to be, you know, back in the rock metal scene. So I think maybe with this little bit of lull time, um, I think when everything gets back going, I think Rock's going to come back with a huge swing. Um, that's my prediction. As far as, you know, do you have the national tour circuit? What about international? Is there any plans or any things to maybe if, if, if the U.S. is still kind of under a somewhat of a lockdown, maybe some other countries that are not, would you guys consider doing something like that? Oh, Absolutely. Um, I know one of our big goals for this year, the end of this year, were um, was hitting a, a European circuit, and um, you know, hopefully next year in 21, uh, we can get over there in the UK and Europe, and maybe Asia, wh- wherever, you know, um, because it's all about spreading the spreading the love and you know, Saul and just getting out there and meeting the fans, and um, that's definitely definitely a, a you know, we want to check that off the list. When you talk about your style and you talk about sonically what Saul is, how would you describe yourself to a fan who's never heard you guys? Well, we put the, we claim the title, you know, progressive mainstream. Um, So, you know, it's just, you know, we're four dudes, you know, slamming away on our instruments, you know, but uh, um, definitely we try to stay to the, uh, you know, a lot of syncopated rhythms. we, we go real bass heavy um, as far as the instrument volume um, on the, on the recording. Um, it's definitely, I mean, we try to do heavy swinging melodies on the choruses. Um, we try to do hard syncopated rhythms. Um, that's kind of where we're, where we stay, you know, and, and we, that's where we want to be right now. And that's what we're doing. And we try to, you know, a lot of our, our bridges are definitely lulls. We try to make them the low point in the song. Um, rather than a huge, you know, anthemic thing, because it's just kind of where our writing style has gone right now, and and uh, that's just kind of where we like it right now. When you're making music, you you just kind of touched on your style and and, and what it means. How, how do you guys get your vision of what you hear in your head out on the album? You know, like what, what's the, what's that process like? I mean, cause obviously you don't want to sound like anybody else. You want to have your own unique sound, which I think you guys do. You guys don't sound like anybody that I know. I mean, you can hear the influences obviously of, 
metal bands that have come before you and rock bands that have come before you. But is that a process where, oh, you know, this sounds too much like Metallica. Oh, this sounds too much like Sabbath. Let's try to rework it. What What is that process? What goes into that? You know, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, really, yeah, we're just trying to bridge the gap between, like, that progressive edge and, and the mainstream sound, you know, adding a, a gent flavor in there. Um, Zach, you know, we generally start with the guitar. You know, it generally starts with a riff or you know, a melody. So, um, I don't know if we ever really have the struggle of sounding like somebody, at least we, we don't notice it. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, is there ever a moment when you're recording something where you feel maybe it's too similar to something where you, maybe you have to rework it and, and, and add the, the, the salt touch on it? I don't really think so. I think it just comes out, um, as it is, I guess we never really, I guess that we never really dove into that to where it sounds too much like this or sounds too much like that. Um, or having to really rework something. Um, yeah, I guess that really never happened. You know, we live in a day and age right now where obviously live music is hard to come by. The summer festivals are shutting down. There's virtually none left. There were virtually none to begin with, except for a handful. And a lot of artists have gone to live stream, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube what do you guys feel about that? You know, I, I think it's something, you know, now that it started, I don't think it's something that'll ever go away. Um, we definitely like doing them. Um, it's not the funnest thing in the world to do. I mean, with, you know, generally when you're on stage, you got a crowd. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely, we like doing it. I don't think it's something that we're ever going to stop doing either. Um, I think it's kind of a, a movement right now uh, with it. And, I, and people generally like it. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as you know popular when everything opens back up, but I don't think it will ever stop. I think it's something that here, that's going to be here to stay. Well, I think it's a it's a form of intimacy for fans to witness with a band that they love and like, where they can instead of sitting in the back of the club and seeing the band play with a bunch of people, they can sit in their own living room and enjoy what they're hearing. So it's a completely different element. It's a completely different entity of its own. And some bands that is true you know, are embracing it. Some bands are still hesitant. A lot of it, you know, depends on, you know, the sound quality of the speakers that the person has. I know that affects, you know, the experience. Um, But it's just like you said, you know, there's a big push for it because people haven't been playing live. And I do agree with you that I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. You know, it might be the replacement for the meet and greets. You know, a lot of bands are going to be hesitant to do meet and greets because of what's been going on. You know, they don't want to shake hands with people. Mm. They don't want to, you know, be next to someone who might be sick. So especially your older artists, your legacy artists, you know, they're going to be hesitant to do that. So there might be that, hey, if you buy a ticket at this amount for a show, well, you know, you'll also be invited to attend the live stream where we do different versions or cover tunes or whatnot. Have you guys thought about that and how to approach it? You know, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're actually in the works right now because we're we're planning to possibly doing one um, for uh, October twenty third for the release of the record. Um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely something that can can work. And you know, I don't know how it could. You know, the meet and greet. I mean, I guess if you did it in a Zoom session and then you know people bought you know an actual you know a, 
a spot on on the Zoom meeting, you know, then you could actually meet and, and greet everybody. Um, as far as like maybe like a YouTube or just like a Facebook live stream, that might be a little more difficult um, to, to be more of an intimate thing. But um, it's definitely, I mean, you know, this day and age, it's definitely something that we're working harder for is trying to, to figure out how to, to incorporate more of the live stream and everything. So um, it's definitely something we're, t- we're talking about. How do you feel about the, you know, the venues that are allowing cars in, you know, and, and uh, like kind of like a drive through theater type of experience? You know, I think that's pretty cool. Um, I, I was actually thinking I wanted to check one out to see how the experience was. I, I do think it's pretty cool. Um, I see like Metallica and, and uh, what Garth Brooks did one, uh, Aaron Lewis and, and Sully Erna. I mean, so it's definitely, definitely something um, worth checking out, especially to, to, to make up for the lull in, in uh, not having live shows. I think it's pretty, something pretty cool. Yeah, depending on where you're parked, right? You don't want to get in, you know, get behind a van or, or and whatnot. It's just interesting to see how we're going to be able to adapt because there's going to be certain markets that are more strict than others, you know, in terms of what's happening. So, you know, a place like, you know, where I'm at, Chicago may not allow a certain amount of people, whereas a place like in Iowa or a place like in South Dakota may, you know, you have free reign to, to do whatever you want. I still think there's going to be a hesitancy from a lot of people to attend clubs until there's somewhat of a treatment or a vaccine, just because there's that fear that they've had since last March. But that being said, right. you know, in terms of, you know, capacities of clubs, how is where you're at in Iowa? And like, you know, obviously there's Des Moines, you're in what, Sioux City near there. Yep. I know there's a casino that has a lot of live performances. What is the local scene by where you're at right now? You know, it's very good. It's very good. Yes, we have the the Hard Rock Casino up here, and they have uh, their indoor uh, venue called the Anthem, and then their outdoor venue called Battery Park. And we play there probably three times a year. Um, last time we played there was last year, uh, you know, which was awesome. We were with Clutch uh, in this moment and Kill Switch Engage. And, um, you know, when we have shows, rock shows like that come around here, it's definitely a packed event. Um so you know the rock scene is very much alive in this part of the world. Um, so it's really it's really cool. I love it. You know I, I don't. You know Sioux City might be a little bit smaller town, but it's definitely a rock scene town. Well, you have Omaha right there. You know, so you know that's not too far from where you're at. Um, you know yep. Lincoln, Lincoln. I mean, is that is that a circuit that you guys have played a lot, or is is you know I mean obviously the last year has been challenging, but you know what you know what's been your experience locally. Oh, yeah. I mean, because literally, if you get on I-29, um, I mean, you can hit, you know, Fargo, you can hit Sioux Falls, you can hit Sioux City, Omaha, Kansas City's right down there, and it's all on I-29. So uh, we've definitely done that, done those shows a lot, um, especially back back in the day when we we're just booking our own tours and everything. You just take the I-29 route, and you just hit, you know, a show in each one of them cities, you know, and they're all within, you know, you know hour and a half three hours apart you know so it's it's really a nice little circuit and and the scenes up here in this you know midwest northwest iowa area is it's it's very good scene you guys got to be itching to get out and play and support this record i mean i could tell by the anticipation in your voice that you know rises equals is a big moment for you guys and you guys want to get out there and play it for the people oh very much uh i mean that's where i think we all like to be the most is you know, on the road, on stage, you know, doing the, doing the meet and greet, doing the, you know, 
everything everything that comes with it. I mean, it's hard work. You know, rock and roll is not not an easy line of, of work to be in. Just being a performing traveling musician, but it's definitely where we all like to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's where you get your passion. You know, performing on stage in front of people, getting that interaction between the crowd and you guys. I mean, there's really nothing like it. No, absolutely not. There is there is a very good connection, um, especially when people connect with a certain song. You can see that 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 group of friends, you know, that are up front and center, and they're ready for brother or they're ready for you know. It's it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing about being live and then getting done and, and going back to the you know the merch to shake hands and sign things and you know it's it's, it's a huge deal. I, I absolutely love it. You know, and I don't really want to do anything else. It's, this is where I want to be, and that's the huge part of the experience. The new album is King of Misery out on October 23rd. I'm sorry, the new single out now is King of Misery. The album Rises Equals is out on October 23rd. I'm a, I can't wait for this album to come out. I know you guys are excited. Blake Bedsall, the guest here, the lead singer for the band Saul. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Yes, thanks very much for having me. And go ahead and plug you know, where people can find you on social media. Oh, yes, okay. Um, uh, the best way is SaulOfficial.com. Um, it's got all our direct links to everything, to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we just got a new TikTok, so we're going to have to get Will slamming on that, uh, doing some goofy videos. Um, if you have social media, any social media, I guarantee we have it. Um, and you can find all those links at SaulOfficial.com. Well, once again, everybody, that's Blake Bedsall, the lead singer from Saul. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 